good morning, good afternoon, good night to anyone that is listening. I always appreciate every listen. Thank you for tuning in to Late and Disorganized. Um, This is going to be a short relationship segment, but that's okay. I'm pressed with time. I would love to go on and on. If you're a fan, if you're a listener, you know that I do go on and on from time to time. (laughs) Um, This morning, for me, um, I wanted to speak on what is your relationship with confidence? Um, A lot of people have a tumultuous relationship with confidence. Some people have a really good relationship with confidence. And a lot of people are judgmental about others' relationship with confidence. Um, Confidence is a, um, a unique thing in the way that it affects others. You know, just being, just existing. Some people have confidence that's so well instilled in them. It's basically just something that they are. And that will trigger others. That will make others feel like this person believes that they are above them. This person believes this. This person believes that. And a lot of it is just in their head. And it'll cause others just to be so jealous and not know why they're jealous. Sometimes your confidence can be so good and admit such a strong light of positivity that even those that dislike you because of it, dislike you because they like you. They don't want to like you. They don't want to admit to themselves that the reason they like you or the reason they're drawn to you is because of their because of your confidence and your confidence makes them feel unconfident confidence comes from so many different places it can be instilled in you at a young age it can be instilled in you through your successes with some people it can just be natural they have a natural confidence at the same time everyone who has confidence has insecurities it's just when you're able to attune your mind and your insecurities aren't stronger than your being you can let certain things go you can let certain things just not bother you and life will just be dismissive outside of things that build you up that's um, one of the bigger things of confidence that triggers others when others are bothered or afraid or just worried about things and your your confidence is instilled in you strong enough to where even if it's something that irritates you, bothers you, it's not enough that you don't believe that you can succeed regardless. You don't believe that you can't receive, um, that you, that you can't uh, succeed regardless. I think you know what I'm saying. There's something, for me as a man, there's something about a woman with um, confidence. I think um, we all have a type. 
the 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 weird thing about me is that I'm not I have an idea of what my type is. Um, I have an idea of certain things that make my ears perk up. At the same time, it's not something quantifiable for me because someone wearing the same, two people wearing the same outfit who look just as beautiful as each other will make my ears perk up differently (laughs) in a weird way. And it's usually the confidence that a person admit at, at you know emits that I think that I get attuned to uh, a well dressed woman with a calm subtle confidence I think really draws me in there's something about that there's something about uh, uh an understanding of I am existing I have things to do I have a life to live I'm going about my day there's something about just the acceptance of the acceptance of self that draws me in there's there's calm waters there but because the person is so calm in a world that I understand is complex it's calm on the surface and it looks like a nice pond that you can go fishing in. Like it, it looks like it might be 10 feet deep, but you know it goes down for hundreds of feet. A lot of, um, I see a lot of people project their confidence and the way that they dress like some people can look at a woman who will walk outside with boy shorts and you know uh, um, a halter top and she'll be voluptuous and she'll be done up with nails and hair and makeup and they'll believe and see that well that woman must have a ton of confidence to come outside and broadcast her body and everything like that. But I feel like a lot of times in those cases, the confidence is in what they are projecting and what they believe others see, but it doesn't, the confidence doesn't lie within self. So I'm confident that what you see is, you know, attractive but it's not within self. Uh, and it's in the same sense when a woman comes outside with a nice dress on, her hair's done, her nails are done, she has some nice shoes and she's walking on a stroll and she just has a look of determination on her face. It's like she's covered up and some people will feel like, well, she isn't that, because she has a, such a great body, she isn't that confident in her body or trying to cover her body trying to shield her body but it's like it's the confidence within self that is broadcasting like I don't have to advertise my body to know that I love my body and it's the same it's it, it's just, it's one of those weird things like you ever seen a guy walking down the street listening to uh, music 
and he's rapping out loud the lyrics and it'd be like the most gangster lyrics or like the most violent lyrics is like some people will look at that and think that something's wrong with that person that person's autistic or whatever but a lot of guys especially young men who do it they'll do it because they're pumping themselves up in their head they, they, they have anxiety about their environment PTSD from coming from a violent environment or just viewing the world in, 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 in a violent way and they're trying to project the 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 image of being dangerous or uh, threatening because I might not be confident confident in myself and my ability to navigate the world, but I am confident in the image that I am projecting out to the world that if anyone sees me or anything comes across, no one's going to bother me because I'm threatening. And that's the same way when I'm saying with the women who who are very voluptuous who come out and really try to expose their body it's like uh, I'm confident in the outside and what I believe you see from the outside because I'm projecting an image because of the fear of what I am inside I'd rather you tie yourself into the image than me because if I came outside covered up or if I wasn't exposing myself so openly, then you would, I, the only thing I have left is to rely on what's inside of me, which I'm not too confident about. So please get wrapped up in the outside of me. Um, so men and women both do it in different ways. Um, it's one of those things that, confidence is one of those things that we all have a deep relationship whether you have it you don't have it it's, it's intermediate it comes and goes um so i would say today if you're listening tonight this afternoon consider your your, your relationship with your your confidence are you happy with it do you think it needs work do you project it do you conceal it um, what is your relationship with confidence? Thank you for still tuning in to Late and Disorganized. Um, for the disorganized moment, I wanted to take a step back and marvel at the past and how we take things for granted like do you think that when the Egyptian pyramids were built that they understood the mystery and the significance it would hold in the future. Or the Colosseum for the Romans 
when you think about the civil rights movement or even going back as far as Harriet Tubman I always wonder because we're all just human beings and we live day by day sometimes we live in the past sometimes we live in our perceived future and in the moment things small things can become major and I always found it funny that when someone does something heroic and they're interviewed about it it's like they they say I, I didn't think I just acted especially when someone risks their life for another person to put away self-preservation for another individual without thought. Without even the consideration of how powerful it is in that moment. Like the greatest things happen without thoughts of how great they are at the time like when you hear like Tupac was very inspirational for my generation very meaningful a lot of his music rings true today even as meaningful as it is or it used to be when you hear rappers that were prominent during that same time, not the people who were close to him, they, they'll tell stories now because his relevance and who he is is major. But a lot, of, a lot of them, when they speak on it during that time, it was just, you know, he was just a guy. He was pop. Like, when you hear Mob Deep talk about the interactions with him, they said that when they had problems with him, they just looked at him as the dear mama guy. When Omar, Omar Epps talks about, you know, his experience with Tupac on the set of Juice, he was just, you know, an up-and-coming rapper. It's amazing how things in the moment don't hold the same weight as they do in the future. When you think about Allen Iverson when he crossed up Jordan, It was just a moment for him, but I don't, I wonder if he, he realized how iconic that moment became. Or some of the things that Randy Moss used to do that 
Michael Vick used to do. I think that's that's kind of why fame can go to your head. Because in the moment, you're just being. But when you be and it becomes iconic and you can look back and say, well, damn, that was great. And I got to duplicate that greatness again. And if I am able to duplicate that greatness again, I'm able to see that greatness. I'm able to say, wow, that's great. And then I got everyone telling me how great I am. And it's like the future and the present merge. Imagine if Dr. King was still alive and able to see the influence that he had and how meaningful he he was or Malcolm X. I think for me, if I am blessed enough to make it to old age and witness my children content and doing things that are meaningful to them, for me, that'll be Alan Iverson being retired and going into the Hall of Fame and being praised and being able to watch old clips and see how, just how great he was as a fan of himself and not in the moment, just being. Like imagine, like a lot of you parents out there have been able to do that. I envy you. I envy those of you who children have just graduated or or in the process of graduating or heading towards graduation, have done great things. And you, you can see that the nights when you, when you wanted to break down, when things got hard, when you wanted to give up, you're able to to witness those moments that say that made it all of that worth it. Cherish those moments like an ancient Egyptian being able to be architect of the pyramid being able to see in current history the mystery and all that his creation created it's like the the, the best thing that we can get out of this life is seeing our impact And if you go out of your way to create an impact, 
going into it with the mindfulness of this will be impactful. I wonder how that shapes it. Like you can want something to be great. You can want something to be meaningful. And it could be that way to you. But do you set an expectation for it to be that way to everyone else? Does that change how impactful it is to you if you set out for it to be that impactful? And even if it's met with a good reaction, do you think that it could be enough of a reaction to meet your expectations of how you think you should feel that it's impactful if you set out for it to be that? Or does it require you to just exist, to set out to achieve And it becomes impactful. It's little silly things like that 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 always make me um, really think. And you know what just popped in my head? They got this new Star Trek. And it's called Star Trek Discovery. And I think the even though it's a white captain, the show kind of centers around a very beautiful young black woman. And right now that shit has got my attention. Not because of her beauty, it's just because I like that. I like the effort they, they made in made, making the universe kind of revolve around her and, you know, her struggles and her, her, the, I think one of the things that they're doing right now is that she was under the, I'm going to get real fucking nerdy right now. So if you watch Star Trek, I appreciate you for watching that. <laughs> uh, but they got this this uh, race of people called Vulcans who really suppress their emotions. Everything's about logic. And this uh, female character, she was an orphan and she grew up under the tutelage of uh, someone um, prominent within the Vulcan race. So she was taught to suppress her feelings and her emotions and think logical. And in the show, throughout the transition of the show, she further explores her human side through force like things are happening where she can't because she doesn't have the tutelage anymore she's being forced to break from the way that she grew up and embrace her emotions and work things out to where she's able to exist cohesively with logic and emotion And it's, 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 I like that because it's like the experience of women, of black women in general, but it's, 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 
I like that that's that that was carefully crafted because it, it's it's so similar to the experience of black women but it's not like they're trying to make it a focal they're, they're not they don't make her race a focal point but that what she's experiencing in the show even though it's sci-fi is the average life of a black woman like because of the how the world is being both black and a woman and having to be tougher because of that and how a lot of our families are you know how just how a lot of our families are there is a a pushback towards the the emotions of black women is it's a, a, a attitude of get over it and not a, not only that the way that men mistreat misuse black women it's an attitude of dismissiveness and for a black woman to remain sane there is a pushback of the emotions and trying to think logical and stay with their head above water and then as black women age and get more centered with themselves a lot of women have to go back and reconcile things that made them cold and the only way that they can find general happiness in their life is to merge that toughness with the emotion that logic with the emotion and find ways to open up again to get over the past to be content and happy in the present so it's like I love that that is, that is crafted like that without being obvious it's a dope show I love when shows have that underlining that's there for people who notice. But at the same time, it's entertaining for people who don't. Like the show uh, Atlanta with Donald Glover. That That's big on... It has so many sight gags. It has so many little things that everyone notices differently. Like there will be certain scenes where something some will happen but it's so not a part of the, the the overall scene that if you if you're not cognizant of what that was about, you're gonna dismiss it. It's not even gonna register. You're gonna pay attention to the to the main scene. But if you are cognizant of it, it, it adds that more flavor, that much more flavor to the show. So everyone who talks about the show will pick up different little things. It's well crafted. I love, I love entertainment that seeks to do more than just entertain you. Where you can you can see that this wasn't just something someone just threw out there, and well, people like this. So let's just put like shows like Love and Hip Hop 
things like you know that that reminds me of Jerry Springer. It's just here's a whole bunch of foolishness and shock moments and things that just grab your attention and it can be entertaining but there's no depth you know beneath it it's just it's a product it's it's fast food and i love when you can sit down and witness the creation of a of a of a talented chef and the thing about it is i wonder if they get it's the same thing I was saying about being impactful. I wonder if they ever they ever come across someone that break it down in a way that they were trying to make it happen. And they like is that feeling of ah oh, that's that's what I do this for. I wonder if those moments are more impactful to them than a whole crowd cheering for their creation. I bounced all over the place. <laughs> that was uh, disorganized. Um, storytelling segment it's inspired by my, my oldest my oldest daughter my first child you know she opened my heart to a lot she, she helped me care she helped me you know feel love And she helped me be unselfish. I got so many wonderful things to me that happened that, you know, just, just opened my heart and softened me. When she was, um, I believe, maybe probably two or three she well for, for one the funniest thing is when she was a baby she did not like to breastfeed like she would absolutely not get breastfed she she did not want <laughs> breast in her mouth so she only wanted a bottle with uh, formula and it had to be made just perfect. Otherwise, she didn't drink it. And it used to be so cute when you made it. You know you made it just right. When you feed it to her, her little toes would curl. <laughs> That's how you know, like, I did a good job making formula. It had to be the perfect mixture and the perfect temperature. But when she started eating solid food, she was very, very picky. Her favorite food were waffles. And when you made her waffles, you had to make it just right. It couldn't be too soft. It couldn't be too hard. And it couldn't have too much syrup on it because she hated 
stickiness on her hands. She hated things being on her hands so much that she she walked, I believe at six months, I might be, she walked extremely early because she did not like crawling because she didn't like the feeling of anything on her hands. She even rolled over um, a couple of weeks after she was uh, born. She's been very, very advanced. But one time when her mother was pregnant or just had my son, but she wasn't around, she was in the hospital. I was making breakfast for my daughter and I guess I made the waffle wrong because she she grabbed it and she just looked at me for one, like how dare you apply too much syrup? <laughs> she just looked at me and she touched it. And then I guess it was like, well, if I gotta eat something. And then she put it in her mouth and she chewed it. And I guess it was too hard. She spit it out through the waffle and smacked the plate <laughs> off the, the child seat. And it was so, so cute because it's like, how dare you judge? I'm standing like, how dare you judge me? <laughs> like she, she is so, it was like a queen. Like I fed the queen incorrectly and she was running to chop my head off. And the, uh, she just so rebellious as a baby. Like one time she got sick and we panicked and we took her to uh, the emergency room. And they're asking all the questions and everything. They say, okay, we got to give her some, some medicine. So they're trying to hold her down so they can put the medicine in her mouth with the little syringe thing. And she's fighting the nurses so much. It took like three nurses to hold all her extremities still. And she was still going crazy. And they took the syringe and they squirt the uh, the medicine in her mouth. And she spit it out like a, a, a sprinkler. <laughs> she's always been a fighter. She got kicked out of um, multiple daycares because she would just lose it. And just start like... It, it got to the point to where the teachers tended her with extra care because she, when she explode, she had a meltdown. So one day I, I'm, I'm, I drop her off at pre-K. It was around Halloween, I think. And I get there and I saw all of the kids had costumes on, but I'm so in my head, I lose track of time all the time. I didn't even know it was Halloween. So I, I get there and I'm, I'm dropping her off and she is looking at all the other kids in their costumes. And then she just looked at me and then she just, her, her lips got tight and she just had a glazed eyes just looking off in the distance. And I said to myself, oh, she's going to explode. <laughs> she's not going to show her right now, but give her, let her get time to build up. She's going to explode. So I said, I can't let that happen because I, because of the significance of this, it's going to be a bad day. So I immediately leave there and I go to the first store I could find that had a costume. I paid for the costume. I draw, I rushed back and I, I knocked on the door of the class. I give the costumes and it, she had this like 
you could see all of the the anger just go away and turn into a smile and the teachers were like thank you thank you thank you like they knew she was they knew it was only a matter of time before she lost it and she's not easy to manage when she loses her temper that's how she ended up getting expelled from multiple daycares because they would call me often and, and you would hear her in the background just going crazy and when she made it to school you know she was in um, I think second grade and I kept getting called off my job because they said you know she's exploding again and I would pick her up and I try, I try, I, I, I said, I'm not going to do what, you know, parents do, what I've seen parents do, what I, what happened with me. I'm going to try to be reasonable with her so we come to an understanding so she behaves in school. So the first time it happened, I had to talk with her, try, I thought I ironed everything out, thought we had an understanding. I get a call from school the very next week. It's the same thing. So I was like, maybe uh, the talk isn't enough. Let me shower her with, maybe she needs attention. I'm going to shower her with, with attention. I'm going to make her feel good. And I'm going to have a talk. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out all these th different things. So every time it would happen, I would go there with a new strategy. And I was like, this girl is going to make me spank her. And I don't want to spank her, but it's like, she's, she's, she needs some 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 harsh consequences to this otherwise she's not going to stop but i kept trying because like the last thing i wanted to do was give her a spanking because i was like i don't want to resort to spanking her for her to act right because i don't want her the significance of what that could become in her mind as far as you know that kind of discipline is what happens when things go too left. I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking. And it got to the point. It's like, okay, she's about to get uh, expelled from school. And I got to, I got to do this. And then we got home and I told her to go in the room. And she said, for what? Not like that. <laughs> for what daddy? You know, like a little cute voice. And that, that broke my heart. Cause I'm not, I know what I'm about to do. And she went in the room and I put my head down. I, my wife uh, was like, you, you dragged your feet going to uh, to the bedroom. I closed the door and I said, baby, you know, I, I gave her the whole reason why. Wanted to make sure she knew why this was happening. And I, I gave her a few paps and she, she bawled and cried and I felt awful. And that she's 12 now. And that was in second grade. I've never, ever used, used corporal punishment with her again or with any of my kids. But the funny thing about it, I feel bad in a way because it worked. But it's like, damn, I didn't, of all the things I tried, like, why did that have to be the thing that worked? Ever since then, she's like super obedient and super mature. And in a way, I kind of is it's it's such a 180 from who she was as a baby. There's always a, a part of my mind that that hopes that that wasn't the reason why. Like I don't want to be the the reason 
me actually spanking you being the reason why you you changed your whole behavior i hope it's she just got more older and more mature one more cute little thing uh it's funny with children we did a ton of things with them when they were young that they don't remember at all it makes me think of all what could have occurred when I was that age that I don't remember it's, it's amazing the amount of things that that you can do with a child with, with children that they don't remember we uh, took a trip to to Atlanta one time to go to the Atlanta Aquarium and she fell in love with the city because it had big buildings and everything and it's different from Charleston so when we left she cried so much and I felt so bad and she would just say for weeks I want to go to the big city I want to go to the big city but I couldn't we couldn't just go back to Atlanta so I said let me try to take her downtown Charleston and there's buildings down there. I mean, it might be hospitals. But <laughs> so I took her downtown. And she's like, Daddy, I don't like this big city. This big city's dirty. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if you want to compare Charleston to Atlanta, I can see how you can say that Charleston's dirty. <laughs> but she, she's, my, she's my heart. She's my sweetheart. She's so cute. And my, 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 one of my wishes in life is that she's able to self-actualize and live a happy content life able to see that she's beautiful able to help to have self-confidence you know just i the i know that things will happen that will be hard i know that she's going to get her heart broken i know there might be a physical injury I know that there will be a lot of hard times. Things that I can't stop from happening because they happen to all of us. I hope I'm around to help her through it. 